What's up, y'all? And welcome back to Dad Needs to Talk. I'm your host, Robert, and today we are back with more 20th Century Boys with Volume 7 and Volume 8. So, the roller coaster continues <laughs> as we speed right past, you know, a little, a little bit past the halfway point of the series now. And just once again, the way this series continues to loop things back around, connect things, make you question, who is this person? Why is this relevant? Why are we here at this location? And... I truly love now some series, you know, have done, you know, jumping back and forth between time periods and stuff and it doesn't make sense. But 20th Century Boys, I'll say eight, eight volumes in and they continue to knock it out of the park because one thing I love about with the passage of time in this series is that you might see a character and be like, who is this? Why Why do we care about this person? And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, you're this kid from the class as a 40, 50-year-old adult. <laughs> so, yeah. So, of course, as always, if this is your first time here, welcome. But if you're a returning listener or watcher, then welcome back. You already know what it is. We're we're freaking seven, eight volumes into the 20th Century Boys series. But just in case, if you're here for the first time, pretty much I will be doing full spoiler deep dives into both volumes. Now, I will apologize because I, I would like to try to keep them separate or whatever. But, you know, with last video or last episode, me doing five and six together, it's kind of getting a little bit muddy because I'm like, just because like I'm trying to get through the series but not in a bad way where I'm rushing, but at the same time, it's like, it's sometimes hard to read one, then stop, and then record, and then go and do the other one. I'm like, you know what? Let, let's knock out a couple at a time. So I, I had to stop myself <laughs> from going past eight, um, just because I was like, covering three and one would be a lot, because doing one by itself is enough, and two, oof. So just know that maybe read both of these before you listen to this, because... I don't want you to think I'm just going to just start with seven and only talk about seven. I might mix and match. Um, Cause like I said, stuff is starting to kind of blend together, but enough jabber jabber. Let's kind of dive into it. So pretty much volume seven picked right back up where we pretty much get the reveal that, uh, and the confirmation that Fukube, one of their old friends was the friend. So we kind of see, you know, that he was the one with them taking pictures, which is kind of creepy now. It's like, it's like, okay, the person y'all thought was, you know, this or whatever is here. And yeah, it's crazy. Um, you know, that he was the one that took the picture of them on that day and stuff. But, um, but yeah, so we pretty much start off with just kind of like, you know, everybody freaking out, you know, from hearing the gunshots at the school and the science lab and all that stuff and everybody making a run for it. And, and uh, Akcho pretty much confirming like, yeah, he is dead. I checked his pulse. He wasn't moving. 
he's done for. But as we would learn in volume eight, that is not the case. <laughs> um, and speaking of volume eight real quick, because this is something it made me question. I was, I was like, have I just not been paying attention to these covers? But so far, I think volume eight is the only one that does this because all the other covers, you know, have the text 20th Century Boys present presented by Naoki Urasawa. And that kind of like awesome kind of like lettering, you know, over the faces and stuff. But then volume eight has something a little bit different. And it said, Yoo-hoo, yo-ho, Kenji, yo-ho, Kenji-kun, come on, let's play. And so when I read that, or when I glanced at it, I was, I was like, wait. I was like, have all of them had different messages? But no, that's the only one. And it's very fitting <laughs> that that is the only one uh, with that on there. But, uh, but anywho. But yeah, so we pretty much, you know, like to get confirmation that Fukubei was the friend and then he got shot and he supposedly killed at the school. And so we kind of begin to get some flashbacks because between these volumes, we learn and we saw some moments where Manjon met Fukubei them when they were kids because he was sailing spoons and stuff whatever like supposedly like some uh, space super alloy spoons whatever um and when he met the friend then when they were kids and stuff and so it's kind of interesting like seeing their connection and how they all first met but but yeah so of course like widespread panic and stuff goes across the world Cause it's like, oh my God, the friend is dead. And we get shots of just like various countries across the world, like reacting to his death. And then pretty much like, you know, the, 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 I, I'll call them the friend council <laughs> with Manjon, uh, Manjon and all these other people that were kind of like, kind of like the, uh, like the, I'll call them kind of like the board members for the uh for the friends and so of course with the friend being dead it's like okay who's gonna kind of like step up and be the leader well some of the people was kind of like well you know manjom you don't automatically get like yeah we know you've known him for a while but that doesn't automatically make you the person in charge and so over the course of, of volume seven we see several members of the council group die in mysterious ways and so they're kind of you know fighting for power and positions and so yeah so so temporarily for a bit everybody kind of or some people i should say some people think like oh my god it's over yada 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 but people like octo is kind of like yeah you know, just because he might be dead, you know, the friend group is still out there. There's basically there's still work to be done. Um, and so, you know, so, you know, and Connor's trying to go with him and stuff. And Octo's like, no, no, you don't need to follow me with where I'm going. Um, and so, 
you know, you know, Octo kind of feels, you know, kind of tells kind of like, hey, it's not your fault, you know, like, like, yes, your mom might have created the virus of, or been involved with the creation of the virus and your dad is the friend, but, you know, this is not on you. Um, and so we kind of get, then we kind of jump back to get some more context for what, for what, um, shoot, I gotta remember her name. <laughs> like I deserve sounds like so many freaking characters. Um, uh, do, do, do Kiriko, Kano's mom, Kiriko. So we kind of go back and we, you know, see kind of how stuff with the virus came up to where for a while it's kind of like a game to where she would make a virus or she no uh what's his name uh dr Yamane would make the virus and then she would make a vaccine and then he would make another stronger virus to come at her vaccine and then she would make a stronger vaccine and so they just kind of kept this back and forth going for a while until he made the version of the virus that is like been going on now. And so that's why, you know, she's been kind of out doing research and trying to find another cure. And she pretty much tell, you know, tells him like, Hey, like we need to stop. Cause like pretty much like, you know, cause, cause basically he shows her his latest creation and she's basically like, yo, are you trying to wipe out humanity? And so, you know, he's he's just still thinking it's a game, you know, but. Uh, but, yeah, so. Kind of go through that. Let me see. We kind of we get like a really cool flashback to. Uh, to Kenji when he was in his little in his little uh, band and stuff and they are performing and the one guy. um the uh, the singer idol guy that uh, the Moreau works with, we learned that he was a I think a drummer in the group. I think he was a drummer. Let me see. Yeah, yeah, he was the drummer in that group, and he ended up getting scouted out by a bigger group or whatever. And Kendra's like, hey, "Go ahead, man, go ahead. I'll find another drummer. It'll be okay." And so that's kind of why all these years later, he's helping out because he feels like he owes a debt to Kenji, you know, for, for what happened back then. And, and I just found that's like super cool, you know, way to tie this guy in. Cause you know, first it's like, okay, why is this random famous singer idol guy wanting to get involved, you know, with, with what's going on. And then it's just stuff like this that I love of like, no, he knows Kenji from way back in the day. He was in his band and yada, yada, yada. And so here we are. And <laughs> had like this like really dope moment where he just like shows off his, his, uh, awesome drumming skills going off on the drum. But, uh, but yeah, so that happened. Uh, Koizumi, she's back to school. Things are seemingly sort some. Well, she's trying to go, trying to get back to her normal life. But every time she sees the news, it's just she can't escape it now. She she is too involved 
with the friend group. And so starts to basically start getting reports that um, the uh, some of the guys that, that Koizumi them met a while back, um, they're kind of like kind of like random group of young guys. They're like like a little bit old. I think they're probably like like early twenties or so. You know, it's kind of like hitting on them and stuff. And they're becoming friends and stuff. And basically learning that some of them have been coming up missing. And then that's kind of where we start to see that, you know, the, uh, you know, the friends are still doing work. They're still, or they're back to starting to spread the virus again. And so Koizumi and her friend basically goes over to the, to, to the, to, to one of the guy's houses and basically finds him dead in his apartment. And so, and so, yeah, so pretty much. Yeah, things are just chaos is just spreading, um, you know, because like because currently there is no effective vaccine against this version of the virus. So. <laughs> so this is like one of the first times where things started like uh, once again, one of those moments where it was like, OK, what is going on? Why are we here? So we kind of basically we get to this like random village where we see this like frogs Japanese soba truck driving through this like deserted area as we also see this it's there in New Mexico in America New Mexico as we see this little boy passed out on the ground with a shovel next to him and so basically kind of find out that the guy in the food truck or whatever he's with his son but he is basically the little frog looking guy from back when they were kids um, but I think his name was like Cat Kakuin, Kakarian, something Frogman. I'll just call him that. But just his whole little arc with his son, you know, them going through this village, them finding this little boy, and basically learning that there was an outbreak of the virus, and this poor unfortunate boy has spent who knows how long, how many days burying everybody in town because it seems like pretty much he's the only survivor in this whole town and basically we learn that uh kiriko had passed through at some point and she was trying to get them to test out the vaccine but of course which is kind of kind of weird in a way like some of the stuff going on in this in this volume with what's going on currently in the world as far as like with covid and you know viruses and vaccines and all this stuff whatever and just kind of seeing some parallel stuff in this volume to where th there was even a part to where like a character is wearing a mask and he asks his dad or somebody of like you know do do you know does me wearing this mask help or whatever and so yeah so like i said it was just kind of just interesting like i said just reading this in today's age you know now maybe if i were to wear this like a few years ago before covid and stuff then you know probably would pay no mind to it but it's like being in the world we are now it just kind of uh seemingly fourth wall breaking but this was like 90s early 2000s this series was written so <laughs> but uh but anyway so yeah so so bad so yeah learning that uh kiriko had passed through at some point and she was trying to help people out and get the virus, get the vaccine to people. And basically when uh when Frogman learned this 
and stuff and uh, learning who she was and that she you know that that was, oh, that's Kenji's sister. He realizes like, oh, okay, I got some work to do. I need to help. And so, so yeah, so I, I just really liked that little piece of that arc to where, you know, it's like this, you know, uh, Kiriko uh, basically offering money like, hey, I'll, I'll pay for somebody to test this out or whatever. And the boy going to test it to get money for his dad. And then, you know, everybody else around him starts dying. And so, so yeah, so then where did we go to? Let me see. Okay, then yeah, yeah. So yeah, so we have, you know, where uh, this old couple found Kiriko passed out in the woods. They kind of helped nurse her back to health. And she gave them one vial of the vaccine. And, you know, she's like, hey, this is, you know, I don't have much. This is all I have to spare. And she lives it and she leaves it with them as thanks. And, you know, the old couple, they're starting to get sick. And then they basically decide to give the vaccine to the little boy in town. They're like, hey, you know, you know what? Instead of us taking it, let's give it to the little boy. So, so yeah, so then... All hell continues to break loose because, you know, it gets a chapter 11 of volume 7 called uh, Creeping Fear to where they're starting to set up these like uh, uh, quarantine zones, which it kind of, kind of made me think about uh, The Last of Us, how they were living in that world, especially in The Last of Us 1, where they had mo like a lot of like main humanity and these like sectioned off uh, zones. And so, of course, you know, people are freaking out. And stuff, and you know, we get we we'll go back to to Koizumi, as basically she ends up starting to piece together what's going on with the guys and stuff, and her friend ends up getting a visit from from somebody that's spreading the virus via fish. Like he's going do do do, giving this fish, but the fish is actually contaminated with the freaking uh virus. So. So yeah, so Yoshizune them uh end up coming through and saving um Koizumi them. And so So yeah, so basically then they then they decided like, hey, in order for us to find out what's going on, we need to go back into the into the friend world, into that to the virtual reality world of their childhood. And so you know, while they're doing that, there's, you know, plans for a, uh, for, uh, various memorial services going on. And, uh, and of course, Manjom, he is just so distraught. And so I'm not gonna go through all this, but basically they end up, uh, kind of them end up getting back and in, sneaking back into Friendland, and going back into the virtual world. Uh, of uh, 1970 of their, their childhood. So it was interesting enough for Yoshizune to, you know, go back to this time period and stuff. And so, you know, one thing, you know, he is trying to figure out is, you know, uh, basically what was he doing during this summer? Cause like, cause you start to see like, okay, you know, Kenji was big into his music. Mauro and somebody else had to help out their family with uh, work, family work, or whatever, around the house and their businesses and stuff, whatever. And so basically, 
you know, times is time is passing on. Everybody's getting older. Everybody's kind of growing apart, doing their own thing. So, anywho, uh, <laughs> we freaking meet Kami-sama. So we learn that the reason why Kenji them's little uh, secret hideout got destroyed was because Kami-sama bought the land and built a bowling alley on it. Which loops back to freaking like volume one or two. Volume one, I'm pretty sure. Where, you know, I, I vividly remember there's that one panel of Kami-sama kind of like doing like a bowling motion. And it was weird at the time, but now it's like, yo, he was really big into bowling. So much so that he freaking <laughs> destroyed Kenji them's hideout back in the day. And so just starting to see like that connection there that, uh, you know, that they met him that far back. And so basically everything starts to converge um, onto the school um, that one night. But also while that's going on, people around in the real world, basically they're no, they're seeing basically the friend walking around and people are like, yo, like what is going on? How is he alive type of stuff? So let me see. I'm just kind of skimming through some of this, but, uh, but yeah, so this was all just like so surreal that, like I said, like, uh, they're going through and basically they learned that what happened in the science lab. Oh, there was a part that was so sweet and wholesome. Um, kind of because things were starting to go kind of crazy. Kind of actually get sent into the game and she ends up getting teleported right next to Kenji when he was sleeping all night. And so it was just kind of very sweet and wholesome that she got to meet and see her uncle Kenji again, but see him as a kid. Um, so that moment was just, just very sweet and very wholesome. Uh, but anywho, so we learned that the, that the thing that Donkey saw as a kid in the science lab, he saw basically the friend who more or less hung himself but came back to life. And so they, uh, the friend, uh, Yamane, and I can't remember the, the other guy that had the other mask or whatever. Uh, basically, the friend told them to reject Donkey. So that's why he ended up, that's why he freaked out. He jumped out of the window on the second, second floor of the school. But... But yeah, so things starting to kind of come together. And basically, Manjom entered the game and he saw that moment. But then he also meets the friend, comes into the game, wakes him up, and then pulls him out of the game. So, so yeah, so basically, that's kind of where Volume 7 for more or less ends. Uh, Yoshizune, he ends up finding his childhood self at that and back in that time period and basically see that he remembers that his younger self was trying to build a new for a new base for them. So that was just so sweet, so wholesome and just like him getting to see and reconnect with him with his younger self. Um and then yeah then the last thing was Kana basically kind of following Donkey around and kind of getting clarification on what exactly Donkey saw, what he experienced and stuff so and it was so sweet like kind of getting to say 
some encouraging words to Donkey as his younger self. But yeah, so volume eight. <laughs> we start off with we start off in Rome. Rome 2015. We meet some priest guys or whatever and see, you know, they're kind of getting ready to plan, doing some planning and stuff for uh for the uh, the expo. So this one guy, his uh one of the head priests, basically his mentor had passed away, so you know, they kind of wanted him to come back to the to the chapel or whatever to take over his study to kind of help organize and go through his notes and stuff. Well, this guy ends up finding basically a basically a version of the, the book of prophecy because he finds this kind of like unmarked book and he takes it to basically he tracks down the guy that wrote it. And so we kind of get some more backstory of this priest guy. Basically when when the head priest guy found him years ago he was like a thug you know had the tattoos on his arm all that stuff whatever and so this was just, it was just like just very neat just kind of getting to see just like continue to see like a like the bigger scale of how what the friends are doing and how far spread their influence is because this one priest basically he tracks down like 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 what's going on who wrote the book or whatever and he starts to piece things together. And as he goes back to the church and tries to tell the head guy now, like, hey, the thing I found in, in, in the father's study and yada, 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 it's connected to this. And it's, you know, talking about the world not ending this year or maybe ending 2015, yada, yada, yada. And basically the head guy, priest guy ends up being like, no, hey, I'm shutting this down. Matter of fact, you're not ready to, to work in his study or whatever. And the next time the guy gets back in his room, the guy's room has been cleaned out. All his notes, research, everything has been cleaned out. So, basically, this priest guy ends up more or less going on the run because he starts to notice, or he, he realizes basically like last minute that, you know, that the head guy is in on what's going on because he remembers that the priest guy that saved him, he, he enjoyed drinking wine, but he can only drink white wine because he had like, like an allergy or something to red wine. Well, so the uh, the head guy told him that the last thing the priest guy said was that he can't wait to uh, drink some red wine with him. Or am I getting that mixed up with something? But anywho, that was kind of like, like a tipping point. Of like, nah, he can only drink white wine. So anywho. The guy ditches his, his priest outfit and kind of makes his way to uh, to Japan where he where we get reconnected with Chono from back in like volume three, I believe, three, four, whatever. And so we kind of get, you know, they start talking and connecting or whatever, but it's a language barrier. But they end up getting over that language barrier and basically end up realizing like, oh, hey the plan to assassinate the Pope is still on. So the priest guy and Chono work together and meet with the, uh, the priest guy there in Japan that Chono was dealing with back in like volume three or four. And so 
it was just kind of neat just seeing all this stuff kind of like starting to tie together as like I said all these people are coming forces coming together to basically prepare for uh for the potential of the Pope getting assassinated and so I really like this this panel because uh Octo them talk about how it was no doubt that they saw the friend in the rain I really like this panel just looks so like just like so sinister and menacing but uh yeah chapter four writhing truth but um but yeah so all the forces basically start to come together and so this whole series of events was so wild because they they basically infiltrate or so so basically long story short the pope ends up coming to the church or whatever he ends up reconnecting with his friend which we find out that the head priest there in Japan, he met the guy that's now the Pope back when he was just a regular priest, um, kind of traveling around. And he kind of came into a bar one day being like, hey, I need somebody to help me. I got a truck full of vaccine, but I can't drive the truck. Can somebody help out or whatever? And basically the priest guy, he was just trying to escape, you know, because he was kind of in some trouble, or whatever. He was trying to escape. But and he basically, long story short, him and the Pope, or the guy that ends up becoming a Pope, end up becoming friends and bonding. So, you know, everybody's kind of like on pins and needles as the Pope is getting ready to make his way to the church because that's where supposedly he's going to get assassinated. Well, that did not happen. So the Pope ends up going through, meeting everybody. They become friends and stuff. Or they, they, they kind of like get to reconnect and stuff. And the Pope leaves and nothing happens. And so while this is going on, we see this crazy fool, number 13, coming back to the picture. Because, of course, he'll be the one that's tasked with, seemingly tasked with assassinating the Pope. Which we later find out that is not the case. But, anywho, so like I said, he, like I said, the, uh, the Pope ends up going and visiting the church. Nothing happens. And so everybody's like, hey, job well done. Pope is safe. You know, we can relax now. Of course, Octo them were kind of like, eh, something just doesn't feel right. And so things are so crazy to where even Manjom isn't fully in on the loop because like, like his uh, assistant guy is kind of like giving him the itinerary or whatever, being like, yeah, and so the Pope is going to be here and do this and that and da-da-da-da. And then Manjom is like, wait what wait who who gave you this plan and the guy's like wait you didn't and so that's where the intrigue starts and you start to hear about uh let me see let me see let me see yeah so chono basically gives uh, Akcho them some key information saying that you know they're planning on having the pope address the friend's body at the opening ceremony of the expo and so that's where Octo them, like the wheels start to turn of like, okay, all right, they're planning something big. And even Manjom is just like dumbfounded as far as like, this is going to be the greatest show of all time. And the stuff that they pull off, because I'm just going to skip ahead. I don't need to go through every little thing. But basically, oh, and also in the background, while all this is going on, there's also been reports of a guy traveling around, some guy in a suit 
traveling around from town to town through America, placing suitcases on the ground and leaving. And then not long after, people are getting sick and stuff. So that's playing and coming into play while all this stuff is going on in Japan at the expo. So <laughs> I, I also really appreciate how these freaking uh, biker gang pulled up uh, on the frog guy or whatever and they're finding out that that uh, Kiriko also gave them some vaccine and that's why they're healthy. So they team up with the, with the frog man and they basically are going to try to try to uh, help. So anyway, long story short, the Pope is addressing supposedly the friend's dead body at the opening of the expo. And so we see number 13 is up on top of this like thing across from the Pope. And basically, when 13 goes to take the shot, it really isn't to try to kill the Pope. It is to kill the friend because um, right before the shot is taken, the friend comes back to life in front of everybody. So, of course, everybody's like, oh, oh my God, the, the friend's alive. He's back alive. And so... Everybody is distracted because, of course, you know, Kana and Akshar, they're trying to figure out, okay, where's 13? Where's 13? Where's he at? Where's he going to snipe from? Well, the friend comes back alive. So that gets their attention. And then everybody's scrambling, freaking out or whatever. And then 13 takes the shot. And the friend seemingly jumps in front of the bullet to protect the Pope. And pretty much they realize that all of us there were watching the man who saved the Pope's life by taking a bullet. I'll never forget what, what Uncle Akcho uh, whispered just then. He's gone way beyond sainthood. The bastard's going to become a god. And so that's basically what happened. Because... And this was like like one of like the greatest schemes in history, because the friend is supposedly dead, and then you come back to life. Not only did you come back to life, but you came back to life to save the Pope's life in front of the world. And so, in this moment, the friend pretty much ascends to, like they say, godhood, and. And yeah, so pretty much things going to affect and yeah, <laughs> things going to affect from there. And then afterwards, after, you know, the friend recovers and yada, 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 and the world sees he's back alive, he has a meeting with this little group and basically says that pretty much everything's in order. We're just waiting for a phone call and the phone rang. And he picks it up and he says, there it is. Uh, and then he said, right then, all around the world, there were sightings of salesmen dressed in suits with gas masks on their faces. And we see the suitcase being set on the ground. It opening up a mist spraying, creating a rainbow. And then we just get like a dark page saying, and then the world as we knew it ended wow and that was only halfway through volume 8 <laughs> uh, 
because uh, we see, because then we get another, we get a three-year time jump to year three of the friendship era. And so, once again, we are wondering what is going on, where is everybody, because of course another three years have passed, so everybody's getting older and stuff, whatever. Everybody's been dispersed doing their thing, whatever. And so basically the back half of this volume, we kind of get more insight into Fukube, aka the friend, and his childhood and growing up, whatever, to where, you know, basically he kept longing to be a part of Kenji them's group. So much so to where he was like, hey, you guys want to come over to my house? I have all this manga, yada, yada, yada. And so basically these several chapters, I'm not going to go through all of them. Basically, it is just him basically like trying to be cool and impress Kenji them. And basically nobody is paying attention. And we also learned that he is the one that, you know, uh, that, um, that, um, pulled the whole stunt at the house on Haunting Hill. That whole incident was him and, uh, uh, him and Sadakio. So basically, you know, like I said, just like background to like when him and Sadakio first met, how they learned about the Book of Prophecy and then how they kind of schemed to come up with their own thing. And so while that's going on or, you know, like I said, we get all that flashback or whatever of him trying to figure out who he is, what he wants to be and stuff. And like I said, eventually he ends up meeting Manjom and kind of starting the beginning of that relationship. And yeah, so then we kind of see uh, this freaking crazy ominous tower that they done built for the friend. And it is just so freaking wild as we see like all these various like kind of like quarantine zones and stuff as we follow this little boy and this little girl who basically they end we end, they end up connecting with Akcho because the little boy ended up finding Akcho and uh, when he was in trouble and basically he's been hiding out in their shed and the little boy's been feeding him and then the sister ends up finding out eventually and then they end up working together to you know both try to heal Akcho and then try to help him figure out what's going on because the, the girl it's hard to tell how old she is because she looks like a small child but she has a job so because the mom is like hey you know because the little brother going to school She's going to work, so it's like, how old are you? So may maybe next volume they'll tell us what how old she is. But anywho, they end up uh, in a situation to where they, uh, you know, they're working together, they're piecing together stuff. Akshu is kind of like filling them in, like, okay, what's going on and stuff, and they're filling him in on the stuff, the stuff that they've known. And so basically, they the the kids they have a TV in their house, and so. They told, uh, they snuck Octo in the house one night or whatever. And basically it was late at night. And then they were like, hey, you know, it's getting late at this time of night. We're supposed to turn the TVs off, whatever. So basically they decided to leave the TV on or whatever. And there's like a cryptic message, basically like, like of like a, like a revolution happening or whatever. And so, so yeah, so they end up hearing that. Then the TV breaks the next day. And so they use that as a, as a, as a reason to try to get Octo out of their house or, you know, away secretly or whatever. So their mom agrees to let them take the TV to a repair shop, freaking two hour, a two hour walk away, which is wild. But anywho, through all of this, we learn 
that the TV thing, there's some type of like resistance message going on, but they use that as a way to trap people because anytime a TV is broken, they have to bring it to this one district of town to get fixed. And then that's where the friends them catch people because they, you come to, Oh, why are your TV broken? Oh, did you hear anything weird on the TV last night? Do you have it on after hours? All that type of stuff. And so, yeah, so they kind of like start to discover all that stuff. And so, you know, they're kind of getting more stuff pieced together. Octo learns about some global defense force ray gun thing they're trying to build once again stuff from the book of prophecy from when they were kids and so yeah so right now Octo and the kids are on the run and they end up at a bowling alley where who do they meet Kami-sama now Kami-sama tells them or tells Octo that he had a dream that they will meet each other again but the thing about his uh his dreams is that he never knows like concrete information all the time whatever so he never knew <laughs> when they were going to show up he just knew that octo was going to show up at the balance at the at that bowling alley someday and so he's just been there waiting every day um and yeah and so basically like so we kind of start to piece things together and so Kami-sama basically tells Octo like, hey, for the first time ever, I'm not having dreams of the future anymore. And he's saying that basically, could that just be because, you know, I'm about to, the world's about to end. Like there is no future to dream of type of thing. So, yeah. And that's kind of where volume eight kind of leaves us. Now, uh, one of the cool things we also saw because because we also hear heard rumblings because when Octo was talking to the little girl about like what's going on in the world you know she was telling him that like there's talks of like a resistance building up by a young lady who supposedly has psychic powers uh she is cold-hearted ruthless all this stuff whatever and so seemingly that's probably kana and so i can't wait till we see kana again because like i said it's been three more years so she's older and stuff whatever but you know it is just like the wheels are turning you know things are kind of spiraling out of control because once again you know they kind of fail to prevent another disaster and so now here we are with basically the world has ended again because they, they couldn't stop the thing in the year 2000 and they had to disperse and regroup over the years. They kind of came back together. And once again, they failed to foresee everything. And now, you know, the friend just ascended to a whole nother level of power. So, yeah. So I'm very excited to see what Kana is up to. Uh, find out more about the friend and his revival and stuff. And, you know, it's going to be crazy. We got freaking Manjom on the cover of Volume 9. So with that, whew, <laughs> it's 
it is always a wild ride with these with these volumes, like I said, especially with both of them. But I hope that y'all are enjoying going on this journey with me um, as much as I am, you know. Uh, and yeah, so I'm, I'm ready to continue on to see what Majum has in store for us. And let me just, let me just take a little. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, uh, shenanigans are afoot on the front, on the first page. So, yeah. So, with that, like I said, as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for going on this uh, Twin Century Boys journey with me. And I'll catch y'all again with the next one. Uh, yeah. So, just a little tidbit, you know. Um, feels weird me saying this, but, you know, I have uh, started a Patreon for the podcast. So, it is kind of a way for if if you if you like what I do and you want to support, you know, I don't have like no crazy tears or whatever. It's just kind of, you know, uh, pick what you will, you know, and donate what you will. And... Yeah, so go check it out. You know, like I said, no, nothing too crazy or whatever, but I wanted to kind of just to create something because, you know, it's something that's been on my mind for a while. And so figured, you know, it'd be kind of a way for me to kind of continue, a way to kind of like get help to continue to build and grow this platform and what I do. Uh, but like I said, go check that out. You know, patreon.com slash dad needs to talk. Feels very weird saying that, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you know, go go show your boy some love. Um, follow me on all platforms. Make sure you're subscribed to both the YouTube channel as well as the uh, podcast feed. And I'll catch y'all in the next one. Y'all be easy. Peace.